Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I was thinking about things that matter, you know? Things that matter. And, and, and for me, it, it kind of matters that a kid in grade five has a place to go and be loved and supported when the bottom kind of falls out of his world. So I don't really want to jump into my sermon too quick because I want to make sure I give you a chance to text the keyword kids to 604-670-3040. It's a pretty big deal. We're a family and we need each other. That's the truth. We need each other. We really do. Emma talked about open-handed life and I've mentioned before that I believe there's an upside-down reality to the open-handed life. That when we think we're giving, we always get more than we give. It's weird, you know? Chris talked about it. He said, here I am, and I'm supporting this grade five kid, these, these, these grade four and five young men. I'm supporting them, and every week I walk away. How? I walk away full. It turns out I got more than I gave. See, I want, I want to tell you, kind of lay my cards on the table. Here's my goal. I haven't talked about this in a long time. My goal is that every single person that calls Southside Church home would serve one, sit one. Maybe you've never even heard that phrase before, but maybe it's time that I kind of just dust it off and present it to you again. My goal is that everybody would serve one and sit one. That we have two services on a Sunday morning, and that you would serve one of them. Maybe in kids. And that you would sit one. It's one of the big reasons that when we built this facility, we included something called Base Camp. And what Base Camp is, is it's for uh, children of volunteers, that if you volunteer one and sit one service, we don't want your kids to end up hating that, that you volunteer at Southside. So we want to make it so that they're a part of a kids' church, Southside kids' program for one of the services, but then they go to Base Camp, which is just basically a party for the other one. So that they walk away going, man, I'm sure glad my parents are blessed to be a blessing at Southside Church. So text that keyword, kids, you will get more than you give, I bet you will. Bet you will. They all agreed that this last week was the most exciting, most action-packed, most memorable week of their lives. And if you ask Peter, he would tell you that he called it, that he told them so, that he saw it coming. See, months earlier, Peter had been standing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus walked up, and there was a crowd following Jesus that day, and because Jesus wanted to speak to the entire crowd at once, he got in Peter's boat, and they pushed about five meters off from the shore, and Jesus spoke to the crowd. And when he was finished, Jesus looked at Peter, and he said, hey, put your boat out into deep water, and let's drop the nets. Now, there was about five reasons why Peter did not want to do that at all. Number one, he had been fishing all night. This was the morning. He was exhausted. He wanted to rest. Number two, not only had he been fishing all night, but he was frustrated. He hadn't caught anything, and he didn't want to get more frustrated because, number three, nobody net fishes in the Sea of Galilee during the day. The fish see the nets, and they steer clear. Number four, speaking of nets, him and his brother Andrew had just cleaned their nets, and didn't want to drop them in the Sea of Galilee, so they had to clean them again. But the fifth and most important reason why Peter did not want to put his boat out into deep water and drop the nets again was because, hey Jesus, 
you're a carpenter from Nazareth. I'm a fisherman from Galilee. So how about we do this? I won't tell you how to build stuff, and you don't tell me how to fish. So Peter was about to say no, but there was just something about Jesus. Because instead of saying no, he said, because you say so, I will. And they put out into deep water, they dropped the nets, and immediately the nets were full. Like, full, full. So full that uh, Peter and Andrew couldn't even bring all the fish back to shore in their boat. They had to call their partners, James and John, to bring a second boat. Two boats full of fish. They caught more in that moment than they normally would have caught in two months of fishing. Well, now Jesus had their attention. So maybe it's no surprise that when he looked at them once they got to the shore and said, hey, come, follow me, that they did. He said, follow me and I'll show you people who are ensnared, enslaved and entrapped in this world. And through me, you will set them free. So they left their boats and they left their nets and they followed Jesus. As they were walking, Peter turns to Andrew and says, who is this we're following? He's more than a carpenter from Nazareth. He's more than an armchair fishing expert. Who is this? Andrew thought for a minute and then he just said one word. Hope. And Peter said, yeah, that's it. Because hope is always worth following. And more and more and more people began to follow Jesus. This last week had been crazy. It started with Jesus preaching this sermon up on the Mount of Beatitudes overlooking the city of Capernaum. He spoke with such power and authority. But, but yet, simplicity. Because either, even fishermen like Peter and Andrew understood what Jesus was saying, and not just understood it, but they were encouraged by it, inspired by it, filled with hope by it, and hope is always worth hearing, isn't it? And even though Peter and Andrew could understand it, the religious know-it-alls, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they couldn't refute it as much as they wanted to. So hope began to spread. Everywhere that Jesus went from early morning to late at night, the crowds got bigger and bigger. They followed him everywhere. And Jesus was preaching and he was teaching and he was healing people. He was performing miracles. He was casting out demons. Until finally near the end of the week, Jesus walks up to Peter and says, get your boat ready. Tonight, we're gonna head across the sea to the other side of the Sea, uh, of, the sea of Galilee. And Peter thought it was a good idea too, because they all needed some rest, especially Jesus. So about an hour after sunset, they got into Peter's boat and they started across the sea. Everything went well. It was clear skies, calm seas, and smooth sailing for about the first two kilometers. But they got two kilometers off from shore and all of a sudden, clouds gathered over the moon and the stars. It got pitch dark. Wind came roaring down from the mountains. The sea was raging so much that it threatened to swamp their boat and drown them all and they were all in a panic, except for Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus was in the back of the boat, sleeping. Peter told the story to a buddy of his, John Mark, years later. He said this, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, 
be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, we're in this series based on the 12 steps of recovery. I told you a couple weeks ago that we live in a world that's beautiful, but it's also broken. And that's really important to think about. It's beautiful, but it's also broken. You see the conflict there? Beauty and brokenness. There's a conflict there. I would go a step further, and I would remind you of this, maybe something that you've forgotten. There is not a neutral square inch in this universe. This is a universe in conflict. You are either going to be moving towards beauty or towards brokenness. Ephesians chapter 6 says it this way. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There's not a neutral square inch in this universe, not a neutral millimeter, not a neutral moment. Every single moment, you are either moving towards beauty or towards brokenness, towards light or towards darkness, towards freedom or towards bondage. The Bible says that there's three forces that move us towards bondage, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. It says there's something about this world system that if we think we're just standing pat in this world, just standing pat, just maintaining, we're actually not. When we think we're just standing pat, there are forces in this world that will move us away from freedom and towards bondage. Bible says the flesh will do that too, that, that my mind and my will and my emotions, my mind and my will and my emotions, my mind and my will and my emotions, they are part of this broken world system. So if I think I'm just going to go through life going, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. I'm just, I'm just going to do what I think is right. Without realizing it, I'm making a decision that I'm going to move away from freedom and towards bondage, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we have a spiritual enemy named the devil, and his goal for you, listen, his goal for you is to incrementally, incrementally, little step by little step by little millimeter by little moment, move you away from freedom and towards bondage. What I'm suggesting to you is that we get intentional, that over these 12 weeks, we get really intentional, we get really serious about it that we're going to move towards freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That we're going to move towards freedom, we're going to move towards light, we're going to move towards beauty intentionally. For 12 straight weeks, and that's why I'm asking if you can, if you can pull it off, be here live online or live in person every week, and if you absolutely can't, catch up. Catch up. Text the keyword 12 to 604-670-3040 and do the step work every week. Step one says this, my life is unmanageable and I'm powerless to fix it. That's a big deal. What a statement of humility, right? My, my life is unmanageable and I'm powerless to fix it. I can't pull this thing off on my own. If you've ever been to a 12-step meeting or maybe you've watched one on TV, when someone begins talking, they will start by saying something like this, my name is blank and I am an alcoholic. What's the statement? Oh, here's the statement. 
if I just go the way the world wants me to go, if I just go with what my flesh wants me to do, if I just kind of go with the flow, I'm going to end up being enslaved by the very thing that I thought was going to set me free. My, my life is unmanageable, and I'm powerless to fix it on my own. See, that's the posture with which I'm um, uh, attacking this series. Like, I'm walking in talking to you every week, but I'm walking in saying this. My name is Mike, and I can't do this on my own. This, this whole life thing. This whole living the life that I was created to live. My name is Mike, and I can't do this on my own. That's step one. Step two is today. Step two says this. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I love the summary that's given for the first three steps of the 12 steps. I can't. God can. I think I'll let him. I can't. God can. I think I'll let him. So today we're gonna to talk about the fact that God can, God can. I'm gonna go back to that story that we started with today. When I first wrote this sermon months ago, I was gonna start out by saying this, storms bring clarity, but that's not true. That's not true at all. Storms Bring clarity. Sounds cool. Sounds neat. But it's not true. So I changed it. Storms can bring clarity. I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. Storms can bring clarity. Um, when life is clear skies, calm seas, and smooth sailing, it's hard to even get to step one. Smooth sailing, man. My life, is manage My life is manageable, and I am powerful enough to fix it. It's all smooth sailing. Life is good and fun and fair. Life is good and fun and fair. Smooth sailing. It's like Peter and Andrew. I imagine that scene. They get in the boat about an hour after sunset, right? And they push off, off from shore, and it's clear skies and calm seas and smooth sailing, and they're heading across the Sea of Galilee, and they see Jesus walking to the back of the boat to have a nap. And I bet you Peter and Andrew look at each other, and they make eye contact, and they nod, and they say, without actually saying, good call, Jesus. Good call. You go have a nap. See, here's the thing. You're really good at preaching. Good job. You're, you're really good at healing people, at performing miracles, at casting out demons. You're a great leader, Jesus. But I know how to operate a boat. Like, I got this. So you go have a nap, and I'll handle this whole getting across the sea from one side to the other. And when life is smooth sailing, that works. That's how I operate. Oftentimes for me, when, when, when my life is clear skies and calm seas and smooth sailing, I'm just, I'm just steering the good ship Mike Manis. And I say, hey, Jesus, hey, good job on, on stepping uh, out of heaven uh, into human history, uh, you know, baby in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. That was so cool. And the whole dying on the cross thing to forgive my sins, can't thank you enough for that, rose again so I can rise to be everything I was created to be, and now you're preparing a place in heaven for me. Awesome. But now go take a nap. You know, instead of Jesus, take 
the wheel, Jesus, take a nap. You know what I mean? Like, take a nap. I, I got the good ship, Mike Manis. It's clear skies and calm seas and smooth sailing. Jesus, you take a nap because I got this. But then storms come. And storms can bring clarity. They can. It's interesting because if you really re read this story in the context, what, what you realize is that when the storm broke and the boat was a couple kilometers off of shore, Peter and Andrew didn't run to the back of the boat to wake up Jesus. What do you think they did first? Well, yeah, I tried to steer the good ship Peter across the Sea of Galilee like they intended to. I'm sure Peter tried everything in his own strength that he could do, right? Let's run with the wind, let's run against the wind, let's run perpendicular, let's drop the sails. Whatever they could do, they tried to do in their own strength. And I think sometimes we're the same when storms arrive in our lives. They can bring clarity, but not always. Like, where do storms come from? Sometimes I like make a decision. And the second I make the decision, I'm like, oh no, here's the storm. More often, it's a series of decisions over the course of days or weeks or months or years and slowly they catch up with me and here comes the storm. And sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with any decision that I've made. My emotional health fails. My physical health fails. My relationships fail. My finances fail. Or maybe how about this? The storm can come in the form of a mm, global pandemic. How about that? With all the restrictions and all the quarantine and all the anger and all the political strife that comes along with it. Here comes the storm and storms can bring clarity but not always because there's something inside of me and there's something inside of you that we have a tendency to double down on our own strength. Double down on our illusion of control. I've got this. We're not gonna wake up the guy in the back of the boat. If you would have asked me back in 2019, in 2019, if you would have said, what are the two overarching emotions in our culture? I would have said, hmm, anxiety and anger. And then the storm came. And then, and then the storm came. And so what you might think is, oh, the storm came. And storms bring clarity. And so now we're not angry anymore and we're not anxious anymore. We figured out that we needed to wake up the guy in the back of the boat, but did that happen? No, what happens to us sometimes is when the storm arrives, we double down in our illusion of control. And I'll talk about this in a couple minutes again, but just please understand this, that, that at the heart of all of your anxiety is your inability to release the illusion of control. We double down. We double down, and so if you ask me in 2022, what are the overarching emotions in our culture, I would say anxiety and anger. But I would say the people in 2019 that are anxious are more anxious now. They've doubled down on the illusion of control. And the people that were angry back in 2019, they're more angry now. See, anger and anxiety are symbiotic. They perpetuate one another. In fact, if you really look at it, Toxic anger, toxic anger, always at the root of all toxic, at the root of all toxic anger 
is always, always, always anxiety, always. And so we double down on the illusion of control. And so anxious people get more anxious and angry people get more angry. Storms can bring clarity. They can. They can. Soldiers in World War I and World War II said, there's no atheists in the foxhole. There's no atheists in the foxhole. I don't know if that's empirically provable. It's generally true, though. There's no atheist in the foxhole. Because when you're in the foxhole, you're in the middle of the most broken that this broken world gets. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you're in the foxhole, that is the heart of brokenness. That is the heart of compulsion. That is the heart of anxiety. That is the heart of anger. That is the heart of bondage in our world. And something inside of you, when you're in the foxhole of this world, something inside of you says, come on, there's got to be more. At the core of your soul, something says, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this bondage. There's got to be more than this compulsion. There's got to be more than this anxiety. There's got to be more than this anger. There's got to be more than this, than all of this. And when you have this soul level desire, logic tells you there is a fulfillment and you understand the fulfillment is someone who is above and beyond it all and his name is Jesus. There's no atheist in the foxhole. So, eventually... Peter and Andrew decide to wake up the guy in the back of the boat. Peter and Andrew decide to wake up the guy in the back of the boat. It's interesting because scholars say that uh, the context reveals that Jesus was really, really tired and sleeping really, really soundly. So, so I, want, I want you to take a second. I want you to put yourself in that moment. I mean, they're in trouble, man. Like, they're gonna drown. So the, 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 the wind is roaring, the sea is raging, and finally they go back to the back of the boat to wake up Jesus. And so they're back there and they're shaking him. And remember, he's fully God, but he was also fully man. He is sleeping absolutely soundly. And there's the wind, and there's the waves, and they're going down, man. This is not looking good. And so they're like, hey, sleepy beauty, a little help. Don't you care if we're going to drown? And he's fully God, but he's also fully man. He's exhausted. So finally they wake him up. Finally they wake him up. He rubs the sleep out of his eyes. He stands up and he says, quiet. Be still. Can you imagine that? From the roaring wind and the raging sea to dead calm. Talk about a teachable moment. You had better believe that all eyes in that boat were on Jesus and he looks at his disciples and he asks them two questions. He says, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? And where is your faith? I think in 2022, we put that as if, like, this is sarcastic, Jesus. You know, he's asking two sarcastic questions, like, why are you so stupid? Where is your brain? You know what I mean? But I want to suggest something to you. What if he's actually asking them two important questions? 
why are you so afraid? And where is your faith? I'll tell you something. There's not a neutral square inch in this universe. There's a conflict going on. Brokenness and beauty, light and darkness, bondage and freedom. So if I can be so bold as to suggest this, you're either in a storm right now, you're either in a storm right now, or there is a storm coming. So I think you and me, we probably need to answer these two questions. Why am I so afraid? And where is my faith? Why am I so afraid and where is my faith? See, here's the truth. For you and for me, the answer to why am I so afraid is always the same. If you get right down to the root, if you get right down to the core, why am I so afraid? The answer is always the same. Here's what it is. I can't let go of the illusion of control. I can't. I hate it. I hate that even if I eat really healthy and exercise a lot, I still might get sick, right? That even if I'm a really, really good driver, I still might get in an accident, right? That even if I work really hard and make a lot of money, you know, it's not going to guarantee that I'm fulfilled. It's, gotta, it's not going to guarantee that I'm going to live a fun life. It doesn't guarantee that I'm going to be safe. It doesn't. We know that. But something inside of me gets so scared because I want to handle this on my own. Jesus, take a nap. I need to control this. And the disciples are scared out of their minds. They've never seen a storm like this. Peter thought, man, anything that this sea can throw at me, I can handle it. But the truth is, he can't. And either can you, and either can I. And the answer to the question, why are you so afraid, is always the same. It's always the same. I don't want to let go of the illusion of control. Which leads me to the second question. Where is, where is my faith? Where is your faith? See, if we hang on to the illusion of control, our faith is in me. My money. My faith is in pleasing people. My faith is in winning. My faith is in success. My faith is in pleasure. My, 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 my faith is in me, and the problem is we're living this life, we're in the middle of this storm, and we're trying to move away from bondage and towards freedom, and then what happens is we grab hold of this thing that we think is gonna set us free, and then we get compulsive about it, and then we're more in more bondage than we were at the beginning. Where is your faith? That's it, that's the question. Why are you so afraid? Oh, I'll tell you why, Jesus. I'll tell you why I'm so afraid. Because I desperately, everything inside of me desperately wants to think that I got control of this ship, the good ship, Mike Manus. That's why I'm so afraid. And where's my faith? 
when I'm at my most frightened, my faith is in me. Just like Peter. It's incredible because the disciples, they don't even know who Jesus is up until this moment. Do they? Because he stands up, says, quiet, be still, boom, dead, calm. They're all like, whoa. He's like, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? And then the Bible says what? They were what? They were terrified. They were terrified. They said, who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? They got it. You understand? Storms can bring clarity. Sometimes you will never really know who Jesus is or how much he loves you until you are in the middle of a storm. And you say, I don't got this. Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Oh, this is hope. This is hope. And hope is always worth following. Hope is always worth hearing. Hope is always worth trusting. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I said before that those first three steps can be summarized by, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. I heard another summary the other day that I loved, let go and let God. Why are you so afraid? Because I can't let go of the illusion of control. Where's your faith? It's, it's in the man at the back of the boat. That's where it is. Who is this? Who is this? The, the wind and the wave obey him. They still do. So I want to close this service a little bit different. I want to ask you a favor also, please. If you could just stay to the end. We're going to do a closing song, and I try to get that in quickly because sometimes I say it too late and people are already walking out. And I say, stay to the end, and then I feel like I just like made them feel stupid. But, but, uh, but uh, anyways, what am I talking about right now? Anyways, we're doing a closing song is what I'm trying to tell you. And it's it, we're going to stay seated, and it's just kind of a confession. It's kind of a moment. So you've been in church your whole life, you need this moment. This is your first week ever watching online or joining us in person, you need this moment. This is the moment when we say, I let go today, I let go, I let go of the illusion of control, I let go of it today. And I'm putting my faith in the guy at the back of the boat. Seas that are 
Amen. Well, that was another fantastic step Sunday with all of you. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will see you next week. Take care. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.